Happy New Year, and welcome to a summer special of Hand of Pod. summer for those of you who are particularly short of memory and who are listening to this from the northern hemisphere it is very hot here in buenos aires at the moment Uh, not as hot now as it was last week but still hot enough for me um i'm sam kelly as usual and i'm joined for this very short uh, special podcast by australian dan hello and australian dan hello (laughs) those were two different voices you just heard this podcast may get confusing the first voice that you heard was our normal contributor, Dan Colasimone, uh, and the second was a visiting special guest, uh, Dan Caparello? Capillaro. Capillaro, thank you. Yeah. Um, who do is... You, no. Sorry, do you usually go with Dan or Daniel? Because that don't like help. Um, oh, you can call if you for the sake of this. Let's, let's call him Dan, call me Daniel. <laughs> okay, so uh, <coughs> our guest Dan, uh, who I may just take to calling guest Dan instead, actually, uh, is, is Daniel from henceforth on, if I remember to say that properly. Um, Daniel is, is here. I've done it once. That's, that's a good start. Daniel is here to uh, to play futsal um, with one of the local teams. He's he's a he's a player in Perth. Did you say earlier? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perth, Western Australia. Australia. Um, and is over here for just for a month, uh, joining in some of the summer competitions. What what kind of brought you? How on earth did you get picked up by an Argentine uh, club? I mean, you're here on kind of on trial. You were saying yeah, recording. Um, yeah, for about a month long trial. Um, it happened basically. Um, in Australia, my team went over uh, to a competition in Cairns, and we played at an international futsal tournament, and there was um, an Argentinian representative uh, team there, Deportivo Caseros, and we played against them, they were in our group, and um, they watched a few more of uh, our team's matches, and then towards the end of the tournament, um, they asked me if I'd like to uh, come over and play uh, for them in one of the tournaments. Uh, toward the end of summer so um, yeah obviously I was elated um, shocked at first but yeah definitely excited and um, couldn't say no yeah so you've almost been brought in as a kind of ringer um, in a way are you being paid for your your time here by them they're putting you up and paying expenses and stuff aren't they Um, they're paying all expenses for me so my accommodation is taken care of and my food is taken care of uh, places I need to go Things I need to see, um, for instance, visiting uh, the stadium of Boca Juniors, La Bombonera, mm-hmm. um, that was a good experience. Things like that, they're paying for, but I'm not getting paid in cash mm-hmm. to play. No, sure, you're getting, getting a free holiday, I guess. Yes. Cool. Excellent. Um, it's, one of the things that I remarked on as we were, were walking you over here was that it's interesting that it's this is an Australian coming to Argentina <laughs> rather than the other way around whereas you know growing dealing with uh, what would we call it kind of uh, full sized let's say or full sided football um, we'd be far more used to, to seeing something okay there are 
any Australia, uh, Argentines playing in Australia at the moment. I don't think Norris left to China. No, um, and the who's the other guy playing? Flores has left, and there's um, the guy that came back to Gimnasia. Oh, you're I right. Think so. There was one guy playing for Melbourne Victory. Yeah, but was, I mean, normally we'd be more. And we would expect them to, to go to Australia, but you were saying that there's more money in Argentine futsal than in, than in Australian futsal. Um, there is, but it's not so much um, the money, it's the actual competition itself. Mm. Uh, it's a lot stronger, there's more teams, um, it's on a professional level, uh, whereas back in Australia, um, the futsal is growing, and it may reach a professional level, but currently it, it would be at a amateur level. Okay. So you must have had a pretty good tournament then to get uh, picked up by this <laughs> Argentinian team. Um, I think I think I did okay. <laughs> I, I did fine. <laughs> and um, w- why futsal? Rather, do you, do you play football as well? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I play both. Um, I started playing futsal um, basically so I could film um, matches and skills and moves during mm-hmm. matches and stuff like that. Because uh, I create videos for um, my sponsor, Pele Sports. Mm-hmm. And that's how I um, got that sponsorship. And then from making videos and stuff, um, just playing futsal, I got involved with the state team in WA. And then there's other people within that state team that have created a league. And we've all, there's now uh, 10 teams in a Premier League mm-hmm. and 10 teams in a Division 1. Wow. Yes. Yeah. That's brilliant. Um, what kind of... You, you've not obviously seen very much in terms of Argentina's uh, full football culture because you've been here for the last month and we're recording on the 17th 18th of uh, January sure. so the last month has, has really been the Argentine summer break you've not had the chance yet to go to any games mm-hmm. um, but what are the big differences that you see between generally speaking be it futsal or, or you know growing up football. football or whatever we say um, culturally to, to how the game's talked about in the press I, I'm guessing visibility is going to be one major one because it's very hard to escape from here um, yes, like you say, visibility. Um, I, if I can in Australia, I watch uh, football whenever I can, because unless you have um, pay TV, then it's not on all the time. And even when you do have pay TV, there's so many more uh, selection of sports mm. in Australia that obviously football's on at sparing hours and. The time difference between here and the UK or anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I really noticed was there's like five dedicated channels to football um, here in Argentina. And well, for instance, we can talk about where Messi won the Ballon d'Or. Mm. There was like yeah. just a whole day they were just showing specials, all of his goals for Barcelona, goals for Argentina. Um, if Messi went and had a sandwich at some place, that was reported. Yeah. It's just, it's unreal. The Compare and contrast with the reaction in Australia if New- Lucas Neal was to one day. <laughs> if Lucas Neal was to, yeah, <laughs> to do something like that. Or take Cahill or... Um, I think it, it, maybe it would be talked about but for about 10 seconds. Exactly, yeah. And then it would feature a little bit in a 442 magazine and that'd probably be it. Just so, as an aside, it was weird that uh, looking at the voting for the World Player of the Year and Lucas Neal had one, two, three and none, none of them were, uh, were messy. No, or, or was he the one who left out Messi and Ronaldo and Xavi? Uh, there was one. I think he voted for. No, I think he voted for Ronaldo as number one. He left out one of like two of those three or something. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure what Lucas Neal. Because I, I saw an article. On, I saw an article on the breakdown, and there was one player somewhere, like a captain and, and his coach, who both didn't vote for any of those three mm. in, in their top three, which was is bizarre, really. 
even if you would like to argue that, that Messi didn't deserve it. Um, I'm trying to think of other questions now. Do you, do you have a, an Argentine team, done? An Argentine team? Um, yeah, well, my team would be Boca. Mm-hmm. And that's basically because that's the most uh, publicised team um, in Australia, mm. in the rest of the world. And, of course, it has the the history of Maradona, um, Alak Raquelme, mm. and other various players, Martin Palermo. So what position do you play? I play the number 10. Okay. I'm an attacking midfielder. That makes yeah. sense. So, hence the, the, the love for, for Riquelme, especially. Yeah, for, well, for techni- technical and tactical football, yes. Mm. Excellent. And they're, they're kind of the right club to choose, I guess, for you as well, because like uh, regular Dan, you have an Italian surname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes sense to that extent, I suppose. Yeah. I'm obviously disappointed that they've gained a fan. Well, we'll get by. Um, um, any any more about like, I don't know like the, the sort of the footballing culture here that you've noticed as in talking to your teammates at the club and, and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, we've we've obviously had some um, official matches and we've had training sessions, but they've also taken me to play with their friends. Mm. And even when we're just having games for fun, it's uh, it's the biggest deal. And the loser has to pay for dinner that night. Uh, it's taken very seriously. Um, yeah, you know, they don't wear shin pads, but you probably should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the best way to describe it. You can say that about a lot of things in Argentina. You do this, but they're probably <laughs> walking down the street. Yeah. Transfers very well. Yeah, um, I, I was interested as well whether whether you've actually had the chance to kind of see any of it up close. But the, the kind of the way that the club is set up, because we've talked quite a bit on on previous episodes of Hand the Pod, which of course you probably won't have heard, um, but about the. the Economic and the, the the club politics and all of the stuff that goes on in football clubs in Argentina. Um, is futsal any? You know, we'd like to hope. I'm sure that it's a little bit more professional than that. But I can't help wondering. I mean, there's not anywhere near as much interest from sponsors and, and vested interest from you know political parties and stuff. But it, it does it strike you as being efficiently run? Let's say. Um. At the moment, you can't say too much because you're still with the club at the moment. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, at the moment, I would say yes. It it it, it is very well run. Um, it's. Um, I guess at that level, um, it'd be a lot more about just sort of people enjoying the game and loving playing, rather than like when once you get to the big club level, that's where a lot of money comes in and you know a lot of because as Sam was saying, you wouldn't have heard the as we, we've talked about it a lot, but a lot of there's really a lot of corruption, a lot of well, a lot of shady stuff going on that. Uh, sort of spoils a lot of the, the first division here or the second division as well but uh, yeah, I guess down at a sort of futsal level it would be people who love playing love you know so yeah. I guess you'd see a lot less of that although the Argentine national side is still one of the best I think I'm right in saying you probably know more international about international teams yeah. on futsal um, yeah I think yeah they did quite well in the recent um, World Cup so so I imagine the standard here is quite a big jump from the Australian standard um, I find it a lot more physical and there are more players with good technical ability. That's interesting. Because, for example, you see interviews with Flores saying when he went to Australia, he found the physicality um, in terms of, the, sort of, say, the fitness and that sort of things uh, yeah. a bit tougher in Australia. Um, so, I don't know, it's interesting. No, no, um, I think that aspect of the game, um, one of the guys said to me, uh, they said, you run a lot during the game. <laughs> And I said, yeah, okay, because, you know, you need to get back, help out, you need to get forward. 
And then one of them told me, they said, oh, Raquel May believes if you run a lot during a game that you're not intelligent. Mm. And then, yeah, <laughs> and that was that. And so I said, oh, well, in Australia, um, you need to run because even if you are a player maker and you're doing things attacking, you need to defend as well. Otherwise they find that, you know, they'll have another person put in that position because yeah. they want 10 defenders as well. I guess Australia would be very similar footballing culture to what takes its footballing culture from, from England. England, so that's yeah. very much where that kind of attitude would come Definitely. Yeah, definitely. The hard running business sounds very familiar. <laughs> um, um, sometimes perhaps to the dearth of the actual game. but Just yeah. to, just to uh, talk more on what you said about um, whether I've actually seen any of the politics, yeah. I've probably been here... Um, not long enough in order to experience any of that and I probably won't be here long enough to experience yeah, yeah. any of that so and coming from another country as well it's like it's exciting for me so yeah. I kind of if there are, if that is happening I turn a blind eye to it yeah sure yeah, absolutely the the club you're with Caseros then the club that you played yes. against in this yes. uh, competition are they involved in the Argentine uh, league once, once the, they are. the main competition starts up is that why you're playing or are you playing like a summer um, I'm playing. I'm playing a summer tournament right. in Walwei Chu, mm-hmm. and there's a tournament basically between I think it's four or five teams, and yeah, it's basically a playoff system. Um, but their league that they play is the Buenos Aires uh, Metropolitan League, right? And then they've, t- they've told me that there's a league in Mendoza and Cordoba as well. So there's a selection that will come from Buenos Aires, and there's about 25 teams in the first division. Oh, well, okay. And then they play against the selection of Mendoza, a selection of Cordoba mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. That's interesting. Caseros is within the top two teams of uh, that league. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It sounds almost like the kind of early days of the Argentine football league developing mm-hmm. when, when it was all regionalised and happening in, in different cities. It didn't really have as much to do with each other, which which that what we're telling us about uh, on one of the future uh, summer specials. Did, did you have any, which we're going to be recording later today, <laughs> uh, did, did you have any kind of questions that had arisen during your time here that, that we as, as uh, among the most eminent of Argentine football experts <laughs> in the world could possibly answer for you, Daniel? Or? Um, if I was to ask one question, it would be, why does this country love football the way it does? <laughs> because, Sam, go ahead. Sorry. I was about to say, they, um, <laughs> The players have said to me, they go, I think you need to learn while you're here, not only playing and training and obviously those things, mm. but why do Argentinians love football so much? It's kind of, uh, it's an interesting one. I, I found this when I first came here, was that a lot of people, everybody tells you that, you know, they'll say to me, being, you know, typically Northern European and, you know, cold, in inverted commas, and coming from a less, less friendly and less open culture in their eyes. Which I guess you two probably get as well, being Anglophones, at least, when you when you come here to an extent. I mean, I know that you've done, have mentioned it to me a few times. They'll kind of say, you know, to you guys, football is, is a hobby or, or it's, it's business or it's something that you do, whereas to us it's in our blood and, and you can't take that away. And my, my response to that was, was always to say, well, you know, I'm from a country that invented it, so <laughs> it's, it's as much in my blood as it is in yours, really. But yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and, and Serbia, if he were here, would would tell us that one of the one of the things that helps is that the country doesn't really pay any attention to any other sports. Yeah, that's sort of the factor I was going to mention, which we touched on as well. It's sort of like yeah. a snowballing thing. It's like such a focus on football, and the media then focuses on football, and then that makes people you know forget I mean, about they, it. 
They, they kind of do to an extent. They, 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 there's focus on the national rugby union team. Obviously, are very good. At, sort of wedge of tennis when they're good, like the, I, I find a lot of the teams like will get ignored until they yeah. reach a semi-final or something, and then exactly. suddenly people start to pay exactly. Attention. Yeah, but no, the the, the football. So it, it really is dominant, and the only other country that I've seen where it's dominate where it dominates the, the, the media as much, um, okay, England to a large extent, almost possibly similar, but also Germany, and th- those are really the only three countries in Germany. They don't really have other sports. I mean, at all, nobody takes part in them, which is one of the reasons that, that Boris Becker, I once read, was able to become such a huge figure because he didn't really have any competition as a non-footballing mm. German sportsman. And yeah, it, it just seems. I think the fact that they picked up on it so early is definitely one of the things. Um, the Argentine league is, is the oldest in the world outside the British Isles, at least the oldest national league in the world. Yeah. So that obviously. Yeah, and the way they've sort of developed their own. Because I guess so far away from the whole European thing, so they really developed their own footballing culture and yeah. really and became well. a, a part of their fabric of their society. Yeah, and, and they have. I, I wonder as well whether it, it, it helps that really early on when they needed that kind of when football needed that kind of impetus in, in its early days to get going whether the fact that they have Uruguay just across the river which mm-hmm. is a country that adopted it you know as early and, uh, and which for various political and historical and economic reasons has always been a big rival of Argentina's um, and they were both really bloody good at it so <laughs> early on uh, if one or the other had been a bit crap and it hadn't turned into much of a rivalry then it, it's, it would be interesting to see whether it would have developed to the same degree. I think Argentine and Uruguay footballing culture need each other to a large extent. It's almost like Boca and River or Peñarol and Nacional or any mm-hmm. you know big derby around the world. The, the clubs say that they hate each other, but really they they kind of need each other. And so yeah, I, I think there's maybe some of that, just this kind of fanaticism, and also the fact that people don't really do things hit by halves. <laughs> they're, they're just you know, yeah. They're, there's no black and white there's well no sorry that's all there is in fact there's no, there's no grey is what I meant to say yeah it's just kind of it, it's either this or it's that and, and if you're not whatever politically speaking if you're not for Christina then you have to be you know pro Macri uh, for the vast majority of our listeners who aren't going to know what that means <laughs> Um, Christina's the president and Macri former Boca Juniors president Macri is, is the mayor of Buenos Aires and they're kind of really the two politically opposed parties in Argentina at the moment and, and there's no way of kind of saying well you know I don't don't like Christina but I also don't like Macri either they won't listen once you get as far as not liking Christina they they close off and I think to the, there's no halfway, and that definitely helps because football lends itself to that kind of thing with the fanaticism and, and everything uh, I don't really know. I've been talking for a long time. I may not have answered your question. <laughs> no, no, it's just, that's quite a good answer. <laughs> that's um, like, yes. We might try asking Seba again when he when in he the one briefly was uh, you mentioned. Uh, I, I thought it was funny because before we came on air, you mentioned uh, Teo Gutierrez and what we thought of mm-hmm. him. Uh, I thought that was quite funny. Cause, what, what, what have you been talking about him with? Because we did talk about him a lot on the, on the last season of yeah. the Ford, So I just thought it was funny you mentioned it. Did, have you have teammates and stuff been talking about? Yeah, because yeah, right. I have teammates that are fans of uh, Racing, and um, they can't live with him, but they can't live without him. Mm. Apparently, he's he's their best number nine, so they need him. But at the same time, raging idiot. Yeah, yeah for at the same time, they'd like to see him go. Yeah, for people who didn't listen much last year, yeah, Tia, their number nine. Um, I think Seba described him as the best striker they've had since he's seen since Diego Milito, for example. Mm. Um, but he's had all sorts of doesn't get along with his teammates he's had all sorts of disciplinary problems he'll get himself sent off and 
basically lose Racing a game, and then we we all thought he was gone. Actually, at the end of last season. But, yeah, well, uh, I think he thought he was gone as well. But yeah, he took all his, apparently he took all his stuff and yeah. hacked up and left. And but now Racing has a new coach, Basile. And yeah, this is, looks since, like he's back. Since this is a summer episode, it, it seems like a, a good opportunity to mention that you know a couple of the clubs have obviously made some changes, and Nafio Basile is back for the fifth time. Is it as Racing manager? Oh, and yeah, Teo has been saying very nice things about him and, and the transfer that was going to happen has apparently fallen through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see how long he ends up staying. He might be off still before the start of the season or he might not. Looks like he might stay now. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Racing do it as well because the, apart from the clubs who have qualified for the Copa Libertadores during this transfer window, Argentine clubs are being limited to only two players in, which I think is a new thing and in a way could help. Mm-hmm. Um could help the squads to stay a bit more stable between Apertura and Clausura, but in another way, if, if a side, economically speaking, are forced to sell, I don't know whether the Afro are going to be making allowances for you mm, know two, be two more in than left, or maybe just two. A lot more youngsters rushed into the team. Yeah, exactly, which is obviously going to help the standard of football compared <laughs> to what we saw in a pretty underwhelming Apertura, no end. But you were saying, Daniel, that uh, Tia's behaviour probably wouldn't cut it in Australia, you reckon he probably wouldn't be fired um, by the club? Yeah, just for man management reasons yeah, exactly uh, right. they wouldn't put up with behaviour of that standard leaving aside the fact that Taylor would presumably be one of the say top 20 players in the Australian league he would probably score a few goals in Australia I think it's safe to say yeah that, that's Hunter Pod's expert analysis mm-hmm. today um, we're going to I think probably wrap up this, this episode now it's, it's been very short that was the idea uh, but we're going to record another one or two of these, which will go online over the next couple of weeks. Um, we will be recording them just in a in a couple of minutes' time. We're currently waiting for our Argentine member to get here. Uh, that's not meant to be an insult to him, calling him a member. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sir, but if you're listening. Uh, so for now, it's it's goodbye from uh, guest Dan, Australian Dan 2, Daniel. Goodbye. Goodbye from Australian Dan 1, or the host of this podcast we're recording at his place goodbye and goodbye from me goodbye everyone